Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Before we jump into today's episode, who remembers episode 40 with realtor Tyler Kuhn of Savvy Realty in the North Carolina market? We talked about how to find the perfect market for your short-term rental. And we also talked about why it's important to work with realtors who understand the short-term rental industry and are co-hosts and hosts themselves when you're making your STR purchase. This team knows what it takes to turn a simple property purchase into a big investment without wasting time or resources along the way. So if you are just trying to flip a house, rent out your home, or turn a brand new property into a profitable business, Savvy Realty is the team to help you do it. Tyler and the team are going to look at more than just the specs of the home and number of bedrooms and bathrooms, but is this a property that is likely to get booked by guests? How's it going to do? How are reviews going to be? What's the regulation about short-term rentals in the area? Is there an HOA or CCNRs to look out for? Truly, with a purchase this big, you just want to make sure that you have the experts there holding your hand along the way. Follow the link in the show notes to book a call with a Savvy Realty agent today so that you know your next STR purchase is backed by a realtor who is a host themselves and knows what to look for. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today I have on Zach Busey-Cruz from Spontaneous. He is also the host of Behind the Stays, uh, which is his podcast interviewing really cool hosts of really cool properties. And uh, Zach himself is not an Airbnb host. He is not a short-term rental host, but he is what I would call a professional Airbnb guest. He has traveled (laughs) to, I think, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, like hundreds of Airbnbs. And I just wanted... I think it's just about 100. Just, just, uh, we might be at like 97. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. So I wanted to have Zach on. First of all, I was on his show back in October or something like that. And I've been wanting to have him on since but he just had a baby. So there were some scheduling conflicts, but we're finally getting him on. And I'm just really excited to get his perspective today on what it's like to be a professional guest and what he as a guest looks for when booking. Most of my guests, as you guys know, are hosts. And I think it will be really fun to get the perspective of somebody who's traveling and what they're looking for in their reservations. So Zach, could you want to introduce yourself to us and tell us how you ended up staying in almost 100 Airbnbs. Give us some of your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, just thank you so much, Natalie, for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show. And I know that a lot of our listeners for over at Behind the Stays regularly reference and command your show. So Aww. I'm sure we have some some cross listeners, which is which is always exciting and, and whatnot. So thanks for all the great work that that you do in this space. I, I love your Instagram reels. I, I regularly laugh at them um, in, in a good way because they're just they're, they're well put together. You're so, laughing with uh, me, not for, at me, right? Exactly. <laughs> laugh, laughing with you. But yeah, no, a little bit about my story. So I'm actually a growth marketer by trade. I've worked in uh, the agency space for a while. 
helped grow a small sort of like niche boutique agency um, from a you know a few employees to about 35 employees. Um, and that was actually in the education space. And I started a, a small media company within the context of, of that agency. And that's actually where I first fell in love with podcasting was I got to host a podcast there and like a totally different uh, industry, but had a, had a lot of fun just connecting with people and listening to their stories and getting to you know learn from people that have really cool experiences and maybe different experiences than your own. So I was working at this growth agency and then COVID hit and my wife and I actually had just, we actually got married in Italy like three, four months before COVID hit. So it was sort of this like, we, we might have brought it back to the States. Who knows? Maybe we're to, maybe we're to blame. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> you guys so are we, patient we were, zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably. You never know. So, but yeah, so we came back, we were newly married. We were living in DC in like a small, like 700 square, 700 square foot apartment. And quite frankly, we were both on Zoom calls all the time. We both had very intense jobs and it was just difficult. It was difficult for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people had, you know, experiences that were far, far more challenging than our own, but trying to schedule calls was just too much. So basically we looked at each other and we said, Hey, we need to get out of this like apartment. Like we, we've got to find a way to break the lease because it's just not working. So my wife's actually an attorney. So she was able to uh, work some legal magic and uh, we were able to get out of, out of the lease and then we decided we would hit the road and just start Airbnb hopping. We didn't know how long we'd go, but we decided, hey, like, let's at least take a couple of months. Let's see how we like it. We stayed, you know, on the East Coast just in case uh, we hated it. And then that decision actually wound up leading us to live full time on Airbnb for uh, 15 months. So it was an incredible journey. And then we found out we were expecting and had to come back and have a kid. And so we're not we're not currently traveling, but that adventure was unbelievable. And we learned a lot along the way. So 15 months, you had no primary residence. What did you do with all your possessions? Did you like sell all your furniture? Did you guys get a storage unit? It was a one bedroom apartment, right? So it was pretty small. Okay. Um, and we stored, we were lucky enough to have both of our parents in the area. Okay. So we, we ended up just taking up their basements and stored most of our, our stuff there. We did sell a couple of things, but it was also, this was like, you know, early COVID. And so people didn't want to like come by used furniture right from your apartment. So it was, it was one of those weird moments where we we really held on to most of our stuff and just stored it in our parents' basements. What about the stuff that you were traveling with? Like, were you just everything fit and like each of you just had a suitcase and that was it? And you were just kind of counting on all the places that you booked having the like amenities and the necessities you needed? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm sure we'll get into this more as, as, as our conversation progresses uh, because that certainly factored into like where we decided to book, yeah. right? Was based off of like the, the amenities that hosts offered. And like, we were one of those, maybe some of your listeners think, does anyone really care if they see like, you know, basic spices listed as an amenity? And we were the people that like cared about that crap, okay. right? We were like, hey, if you, if you <laughs> see spices and like, you know, olive oil and like cooking supplies, like that actually was a, was a signal to us that, hey, this is a, this place at least makes the short list, right, of, of where we want to stay. Because okay. again, we were traveling, we were traveling pretty light. So we each had one away bag, like the carry-on away bag, not like the big away bag, yeah. right? Uh, and then we each had like a backpack. Uh, and then we did bring two like plastic bins that were sort of like our, our pantry. And then just other things that we could, um, things like paper towels. Like, like if we were ever in a situation where really it was more for the car, right? Like we spilled something in the car or something okay. like that. We wanted to have... Uh, some things uh, at our disposal for sure, but no, we traveled. We traveled like very light. So we had these two bins uh, that were that kind of served as our pantry, our first aid kit. We each had in the way bag, and we each had a backpack, and that was pretty much it. What about your work stuff? Because this whole thing started was 
like started in order to take Zoom calls and stuff, were you a podcaster at this point? Like, were you traveling with all your equipment and your <laughs> mic and everything? Or was it just like you each had laptops and a pair of AirPods? Yeah, actually. So yeah, great question. I, I was podcasting. Um, and at this point, I think I was hosting two or three sh- different shows. And so yeah, I was I had my roadcaster with me, which is what where I like to record primarily. And so I brought my roadcaster on the road, brought a webcam on the road. And, um, and then yeah, we, actually, I'm a big sucker for my like, uh, you know, external secondary monitor too. So I brought that with me. <laughs> oh so um, yeah, that made it along with my uh, external keyboard and mouse. Actually, those were in my backpack. So they, they were able to fit into my backpack, which is why I was allowed to bring them on the road. But And everywhere we went, we ha- I had a little laptop stand, like a, something I got from like 30 bucks off of Amazon, like total like game changer, yeah. lifesaver. And traveled around with that. My wife is one of those people that she, you know, she likes working just off of her laptop and like preferably like from a chair or even like from her bed, like, like sitting and like, working. Yep. that's not me. That was her. So she, she traveled pretty light and I traveled with a few more items. So during these 15 months where you had no primary residence, you were just a traveler. What was your average length of stay? Were you guys booking places 30 days out at a time or like a weekend here and there? I'd love to know how long your average stay was and extension question of that. Yeah. What was your travel pattern, I guess? Like what made you move from place to place? Was it just for a change of scenery or you couldn't get bookings that were longer than a certain amount of length or something? Yeah, great question. So I think the the longest place we ever stayed was at this gorgeous Booth Bay Harbor cottage in in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine. And that was for two weeks. But outside of that, our our longest stay was was like no more than a week. And most of our stays were about five days. That was like the average stay. So we we were typically like getting somewhere on either like a Sunday night or like a Monday night, right? And then we'd stay through that Friday or or Saturday or sometimes even Thursday. And, you know, Fridays were a little bit more flexible for both of us, you know, for work. So we'd work like half days, right? And then at 11 a.m. when checkout came, we would take like a half day on Friday and then we'd drive to, to our next destination. So, yeah, we... Uh, unlike a lot of people that do this, that do travel full time, they typically, you know, stay for at minimum of two weeks. Oftentimes it's, you know, 30 days or more. We actually, we stayed, the reason we stayed in so many places is because we were moving around so frequently, right? And there were, there were many times where we were at a place for just a weekend, right? And so in terms of our length of stay, it it was quite short. And and honestly, the, the reason for that, Natalie, was we weren't sure when we'd have to go back, right? Or like when work would call us back or if oh, work would call us back. Okay. So we... We wanted to see and do as much as like we could with this time, right? And so therefore we were like, well, I don't know, like if we get called back next month, are we going to be able to like spend enough time in the Pacific Northwest? Like we got to, we got to like, you know, hustle and and, and whatnot. So if I were to do it again uh, or or now, I would, I would definitely have slowed down our pace uh, so that we could have enjoyed, right, the, the area a little bit more. Yeah. I'm wondering if you had known it would be 15 months, would that have changed the like way? You would have stayed longer. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, we would have, we would have, we would have stayed longer in places for okay. sure, for sure. Because yeah, we we ended up going so all up and down the East Coast, and then we drove all out to Southern California, San Diego, and then all the way up the California coast, all the way up to I guess the furthest north we got in the Pacific Northwest was Seattle, and then we headed back over through Montana, Wyoming, like all you know all the all the fun like Midwestern states as well. Um, and, and, and then, yeah, so it's that, so that was the journey, but in terms of like how we mapped it out to be a hundred percent candid, like it was, it was super organic. So what we would do, we did two methods of research. Okay. So my method of research was I'd start on Airbnb and I, I will just say, I know that a lot of, 
a lot of your listeners are, you know, steeped in the short-term rental hosting world. This was long before I knew what the hell like STR meant, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> when I say like we were on Airbnb, I really do mean like we exclusively booked on Airbnb. I didn't even know direct bookings were like a thing. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, forgive me, but <laughs> but but that is that is just the God's honest truth, right? So well, I would approach. I'm actually really glad you said that because, like, I still believe to this day. Yes, we are so entrenched in this world, but I still think that the average Joe does not know what STR is. If you go out and ask anybody on the no street, when yeah. my dentist asks me what I do, I always say I'm an Airbnb host. Like that is yeah. what yeah. what I do, you know. And it's like I know the direct booking people will come for me and they're going to be mad, but that's just yeah. playing with the language it's people understand. Brutal. But this is a really good point, and this is why, like, I tell people, like, fine, go do the direct bookings. Don't knock Airbnb. That is still where yeah. the average customer is going. So actually, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> no shame oh, in you here. <laughs> and just, just to add on that, I was actually going back and forth on social media with uh, somebody about this literally yesterday. And they were like, well, I had posted something about how until direct booking websites, until the, until the experience is as frictionless as you know uh, Airbnb's experiences from a checkout standpoint, direct bookings are never really going to take off. Like it's, yeah. for your average guest, Airbnb is so easy. It's so convenient. It's so beautiful. The design is impeccable that like, it's really hard to compete with yeah. that. When I have to go to another direct booking site where I'm not sure if I'm going to get scammed because like, it looks just so clunky, right? That That is a huge deterrent for people that are not like, again, steeped, steeped in the industry. And, you know, my, my point to this individual on social media was like, they were like, well, I both massive like direct booking business. I've never been on an OTA. But he started his company 20 years ago. And I said, hey, do you know right now, right? Like if you, I, I'm looking at my my fun SEO tools right now, the, the search volume for vacation rentals in Maine is 25% what's the search volume for Airbnbs in Maine are. Like, so like you're, you're seeing 4X more searches, right? From average users using the term Airbnbs in Maine than they are vacation rentals in Maine. So again, you can have your beef and I totally understand, yeah. respect it. But at the same time, to the average Joe, they don't care about STRs, right? So yep. again, I, I hope we don't get canceled for saying this, Natalie. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do just, and again, I am a huge, a huge proponent, by the way, of direct bookings and building your own brand and whatnot. That is, you, you, if you care about the future of hospitality, you'll do that. But again, you can do that and also not knock the OTAs. Yeah, um, I think it's just, could be a good relationship. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of having like realistic expectations. And like you said, like we are so far from direct booking being the way that the average traveler starts booking. Like yep. that is not yep. happening anytime soon. So fine, lay the foundation now. But I think the people who are just like, screw it, that's it. Yeah. Like one bad customer <laughs> service experience and Airbnb didn't take the host side. I'm out. Yeah. Like slow, slow your roll. Okay. Okay. Yeah, back, yeah, yeah, back yeah, to yeah. this though. So you were Anyways, booking sorry, back, 100% yes. exclusively Airbnb. And what was like your process? What was your, your methodology here for finding listings? Yeah. So my wife and I took very different approaches. She, what she did is she'd like Google, like find all these like really cool, like blogs, like, you know, best, you know, uh, country, uh, houses to stay in, in this particular state or like, Hey, top a frames in Colorado or whatever it is. Like she took that, that route. What okay. I did is I, I used air Airbnb as like a map view and I would just be like, all right, I want to go about, I don't want to drive any more than about five hours a day. Right. What, what is a good place kind of roughly in the direction that we want to go? We were totally willing to go off course. It wasn't like we were like, all right, it's gotta be you know, a place that's right off of I-70 or something like that. Like we were super flexible with how, how far we traveled, but I used the map view for everything. And what's funny about Airbnb, at least at the time, is that I felt like the map view actually showed a lot more than just like the list. Like the list view, right, is all about like, 
which listings are ranking highest, right? But if you scroll through the map view and you scroll like deep enough, you end up finding way more listings, yeah. right? Um, and so that that's how I that's how I found our stays. And then what we would do again, because we were kind of on, you know, we we were on a budget, like we weren't we, we didn't have thousands of dollars to spend every night, right? But we also wanted to stay at nice places. And this was really where spontaneous the idea for it came from is we realized that if we could be really flexible with our travels and like where we went and how long we stayed, we could score really, really remarkable discounts. So what we would often do, and again, I think that there are probably some hosts now that are listening to this that won't like this, but this is the reality of like what we did. I would DM a host uh, or I would send a message on Airbnb and say, hey, love your place. It's beautiful. You know, it's let's say it's going for $400 a night right now. I said, I, I can give you $300 a night. Um, and, it, you know, if, if as long as your place doesn't book before Thursday, like say we're checking in on, on a Friday within a 24-hour window, I'll take it for $300 a night. I can't do $400, but I'll do $300 a night if no one else books it before, you know, Friday or whatever it was. And literally like about half of our stays were booked that way where I would, I would pitch a host an offer and I'd say, look, I can be super flexible. We're, 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 we have no agenda. We've got, we, we can go anywhere, right? We want to stay at your place. And honestly, about 25% of the time they would take my offer right away. And then the other 25% of the time they'd say, Hey Zach, you know, awesome. Thank you so much. Like, we'll let you know. And sure enough, sometimes they'd ping me and they'd say, Hey, it's a uh, Thursday at noon. If you want to, you know, book the place, today and, and check in tomorrow, we'd be happy to have you. And then, and then we do that. And then the other, you know, half of the time I, they'd say no, or I want to get a response or, or whatnot. Yeah. So, or we'd end up paying full price. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's how that, that worked. Um, so we knew general trajectory, but every single one of the stays that we ended up um, staying at where it was really more about like, what is the place like? How, like, what does it look like? more so than where it was. We were much more interested, again, because we were working and I do a lot of creative work. We wanted an inspiring space. We wanted beautiful places. We we could care less. And it was also COVID. So like nothing was open or like we didn't, we weren't trying to like go out to all these like restaurants and bars, right? Like, so we, we cared much more about the actual physical space in okay. the home that more so than we did the location. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So um, I actually really like how you approach the discounts because I to preach that I hate when guests ask for discounts, but that's because most of them do it in a way that's just like, like they come to me as if I need them, you know? And it's like, Hey, you, yeah, you yeah. need, you need my booking. Like you're going to, you know, I, sorry, I can't spend more than this. Can you meet my budget? And in those cases, yeah. I'm like, uh, F you, like your budget is not my problem, <laughs> but I like your approach because yeah, if I was still not booked by this point, why not? Yeah. Why not? 300 is yeah. better than 400. And so if anybody is listening and wants to <laughs> wants to do this, I think that you actually had the perfect approach in the way you did it. And just always be very gracious that the host does not owe you anything, but, you know, no. show them like you understand their point of view, that they want to try and get the higher booking. And if it doesn't book, then grant the discount. So I actually, I, I approve. I like that. Who like usually won out? Your wife was going off of these like A-frame, mm -hmm. coolest A-frame cabins and you were going off of map view. Were you guys like trying to compromise and like find like, oh, this A-frame you liked happens to be along the map or 
who at the end of the day would like win out if there was like a dilemma on where to stay? My wife certainly has like finer taste than me. And so it, it was typically, it ended up being probably 50-50 in terms of like when when we were okay with splurging, like she found all like the best places, to yeah. be honest. Um, and when we decided we wanted to splurge on a particular place, it was typically one that she had that she had found. Okay. Along the way too, like we, this is like, we discovered Levi Kelly's videos and like we were like watching like his YouTube channel and like we stayed at several of the places that he's, cool. you know, featured. And that was because we, we quite frankly, we got influenced, right? And and whatnot. But then, you know, I would also be like, all right, hey, for the next five days, like we can't spend more than, you know, whatever it was, like a couple hundred bucks a night. Let's pull back a little bit. Let's find like a, a beautiful, like okay. nice, like townhouse to stay in because we can't afford an A-frame this week or, or whatever it was. So it was certainly, it was certainly a compromise. But what I will say, and actually, you know, this is advice that I like to give folks too, is finding ways to get on lists and or if you do, especially if you do have a cool space, like there's incredible search volume around like unique homes right now. Like if you go, if you want to just like, like I was looking at this yesterday on average, right? There's about 4,500 searches per month for treehouse Airbnbs, right? Uh, which is, which is significant, you know, search volume. And so any, if you do have a unique stay and you aren't on like uh, an aggregate list, right? Or, or you don't rank well organically for one of these search terms, I would, I would highly recommend like learning even just a little bit about SEO to try to to try to rank better for these terms because there is demand for these you know unique stays. So not everyone has a unique stay and that's totally fine, but if you do have one and you're not ranking well, uh, I would I would really really recommend um, learning just a, again a little bit about SEO to to help your 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 website rank rank a little bit better. Again, assuming you have a direct booking site, if you're you know Air, Airbnb exclusive, don't worry about this. Well, well, look at that because even though you a lot of times you found these from lists who were almost promoting themselves as if they were a direct booking site, like they were doing their own marketing, but you still booked it on Airbnb because that's just where yeah. it felt safer. So exactly, yeah, exactly. I think even if you're not ready to invest the few thousand dollars into building out your whole direct booking site, like take this advice and start pitching yourself to be on these lists and get on these blogs because it still doesn't hurt even if it just links back to your Airbnb listing. Yep, 100%. Very, very well said. But yeah, that, that's how we pretty much approached our our search. And so again, we we went, I think in total, we ended up hitting up uh, 27 states or something like that. Wow. So again, it was a pretty aggressive trip. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if you've had any specific questions about like, how we decided what to book, but yeah. I'd be happy to talk about that. I guess, okay, so another question I have would be kind of like, what was your actual booking process? So like earlier you said, if a place had spices, that made the short list. Like what was going into mm-hmm. your short list? And then I'll just share quickly for myself, when I'm booking an Airbnb, I also have my short list factors depending on where we're going and what I need. And I'll open about like five to seven tabs, just like, you know, left click, <laughs> like right click open five to seven tabs and then I kind of go through and just like slowly narrow them down maybe then like last thing is like if uh, an early check-in is important to me for this stay I'll like message the final three contenders and whoever gets back yeah. to me first that early check-in's fine like that that passes so I'm curious like what you found was the best after booking almost a hundred Airbnbs like what is your go-to procedure here for actually booking yeah yeah great great question so one of the, again, it, it depended a little bit about like the outlook of the month of like, let's say, and I, I guess I should also say we, we never really booked more than two weeks out in advance, like at okay. all. Uh, there were like maybe two or three places that were really unique stays that we really wanted to stay at. And so we had booked those in advance because they booked, they booked up pretty quickly. But beyond those two or three stays, everything else was, you know, about a couple weeks before we, we'd be staying there, right? So that was sort of the window that we were that we were looking in. And in terms of what would make the shortlists, we 
quite frankly, we used Airbnb as like wishlist tool. We'd start it for like, you know, the week of April 26 or whatever it was, right? And we'd both kind of just independently do our own searches. We'd, you know, wishlist the places that we thought would be a good fit for us that week. And again, it would vary depending on if we were staying at a really nice place one week or for a few days that was more expensive, we'd try to, you know, find a place that was a little bit less expensive. So we, we actually never used um, the price filter. And I, I, a lot of people get like obsessed over the price filter, but our our whole philosophy was like, okay, like, again, because we had flexibility, we never really cared about what the nightly rate was because we also found that, you know, cleaning fees varied so dramatically. And like using the nightly rate feature, sometimes it would like exclude places that at the end of the day were about the same or just slightly more expensive, even though they had significantly different nightly rate. Once we've discovered that, we just like stopped using the price filter. I will, um, I'd love to interject yeah, with one thing because this was, you were traveling all of this between 2020 and 2021. That was the 15 months, right? Yes. I will yep. say, Airbnb has updated it where now the price filter does include the entire reservation price. So for anyone who hears that, just know now you can do it that way. But I think <laughs> that's, that's actually a really interesting factor that like price was not what was important to you. It was like the map and and the design of the place. So, okay, continue. No, absolutely. And like, and of course, like I do want to say like, you know, we're not millionaires. So like we did, we did care about, we did care. About price was not an issue at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it just, but in terms of figuring out, like, like we, we, like there were times we'd be like, oh wow, like this, this place is available, like this week. Okay, you know what? Even though we're a little bit over budget for this month, we want to stay here. Let's book it. And so next month we're just we're gonna like really cut back or whatever it was, okay. right? So like we certainly made those those compromises. So once we'd shortlist again, we'd just use Airbnb's wishlist tool. We'd favor the places that we we're interested in staying in. Then what we do is we'd go and we'd scroll through these these listings. We'd have you know discussions amongst each other my wife would be like heck no i'm not staying there or i'd be like no way not doing this place it's too you know remote or it's too urban or whatever it was right but then what we would spend a lot of time doing and this is going to become as no surprise to your listeners we would obsess over the photos right and like if a place just didn't have professional photos it really did not matter to us how great the reviews are we just we wouldn't stay there and, and the primary reason for that was it's like if, if a host can't invest in getting quality professional photos for their listing the place is probably not that well cared for mm -hmm. like that regardless of whether or not that was true that was our perception mm -hmm. so anytime we'd see like iphone photos of a place we would just immediately like take it off the list and or if it made it onto uh to the list at all Zach, people so are gonna one, think I, that i like bribed you to say that i didn't you guys i talk about professional <laughs> photography all the time people are gonna think i bribed you to say that but he said yeah, that all no, but it's true it's true <laughs> it's, it's such a small expense like it is not that expensive and it's yeah. like one of those things it's like it's just a must it's a must do so yeah so that that was certainly in you know, fact number one okay. and then a lot of people and i've said this on other podcasts before but like a lot of people obsess over the whole like dedicated workspace and and like don't get me wrong i do think that there can be a time and a place for that and like if you want to have like a cute little desk set up somewhere great right but i totally disagree with some of the narrative out there around like spending lots of time and money creating these dedicated workspaces people are coming to these places even if they're working remotely because they don't want to work in an office so if you create something that looks like an office right like why would i want to work there right i'm coming to your space because i want to break from my norm i don't want to be in my home office if i go to an office I certainly don't want to be there. So don't spend your time and money doing that. Like if you've got beautiful natural light and a really cool table for me to set up at, that's that's all I need. I don't need a dedicated workspace. Okay. So anyways, that was No, but, I yeah. love that. I love that because that was a huge thing where I think I've even said on this podcast, like right now, working remotely is popular. You should invest in this. But you may have just completely changed my mind because 
you're right. Myself, like we just said, like, I'm like your wife. I will, I will prefer to work from like bed with my laptop or something or curled up on the couch. I would not, even if there was a dedicated workspace, I wouldn't go there. And I'm just picturing if I stayed at like some A-frame with amazing mountain views and a deck and a rocker chair outside and a fire pit, if the Wi-Fi reaches, I'm working from there. I am not going to go into an office. So that is an excellent point that I never even thought of. I love that. Okay. You guys, I take back everything I've ever said on dedicated workspaces. (laughs) We're scrapping them. We don't need them anymore. <laughs> I will say, like, there are a couple cool, like, Wander, who's this kind of, like, newer player in the space, they, they've done a really good job at, like, building really high-end, like, really cool workspaces within the context of their homes. So, again, if if you've got unlimited money and you want to, like, ball out on something cool, great, do it. But I just, most people don't need to spend time worrying about, like, getting this, you know, Ikea desk and, like, you know, a little like a uh, laptop, you know, uh, a, mo- a sticker or whatever. Like you, sure. you don't, don't, don't worry about that. Go take that money, invest it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's worth it. I love that. But yeah, in terms of, yeah, getting back to the short list, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here. So once we, once we figured out like, okay, cool, they've got good photography. It looks like a good, a good space. We oftentimes, again, because we knew needed spaces that, that were conducive to like us working together. We also like love to cook, right? So like the next factor would be like, all right, do they have like a full kitchen, right? So we would never stay at a place where the amenity fully stocked kitchen like wasn't there. You you know, you see the amenities of like kitchen, right? And then you see, then there's also another amenity for like, fully stocked kitchen and Airbnb might have like switched up the language, but at least at the time there was a difference, right? Yeah, and yeah. so we would always look for a little icon amenity that said fully stocked. Cause what that at least meant to us was that, okay, there's going to be spices. There's going to be like olive oil. We're going to, you know, we're going to have a lemon squeezer. Fun fact, the number of places that we stayed in that did not have a lemon squeezer. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right term, but yeah. like literally, squeezer, a, a, it got, yeah. yeah, a juicer, lemon juice. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, it got to a point where I, we were like counting, right? And like more than 50% of the Airbnbs that we stayed in did not have a lemon squeezer. And I was like, do people not like, I feel like this is like a pretty basic kitchen <laughs> utensil, but uh, I guess I just have, you know, we just eat a lot of citrus. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so, so yeah, we'd look for fully stocked. We'd look for, we'd look for anything in the reviews in particular that talked about like, Hey, this is like a chef's kitchen or they had really good knives again, because we, we really liked to cook and we weren't eating out a lot because again, it was COVID and a lot of things were closed. So even more importantly, we needed, we needed a solid kitchen. So those were probably like the two most important factors. Okay. Uh, and then, and then the third one was like natural light, right? Like we knew we were doing creative work. We, we really, really wanted spaces that got a lot of light, which is, again, it, it's hard to tell that from photos yeah. even. Um, I was just going to so ask. we would oftentimes follow the review. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because that's not something that like gets checked off under the amenities and from pictures, you don't know if they brought in professional lighting. So is that just kind of something like just from the whole vibe and aesthetic of the listing, you would sort of just try to like gather how the lighting would be. So one of the things that we would do, and this is, I mean, this is a pro tip for, I guess, anyone that wants to stay in an Airbnb. If you're looking for a specific amenity, what we would do is we'd click see all reviews and then we do command F and then we would look for a specific word, right? So you can look for, if you do command F after you see all reviews, right? Like your browser will scroll through every single review and it'll say like, you know, light or like natural light was mentioned 27 times. So if that keyword was mentioned in reviews 27 times, that was a strong indicator that that amenity was there, right? So we did that a lot for things. Like anytime we were like 
between a few places, we do we do click show all reviews. We do command F, and we look for things like Chef's Kitchen or like knives or or on the you know the opposite end of the spectrum. We look for things like you know security or like you know like negative keywords, right? And just see like how many different times did these words come up in reviews? Okay. Um, because if you just scroll through the reviews quickly, it looks like everybody had exactly exactly. Um. So, so yeah, that was another that was another tool that we used to separate the wheat from the chaff, if you will. So that's interesting too, because I another thing I always say is don't focus so much on the star rating, but more the text of the review. Because people will say mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I got a four star review," and they said that they loved everything. Why did they only give four stars? I think that the average yeah. guest out there is not sweating the number of stars as much as you are. They're going through and just reading the text, and if they said that they loved everything. You passed the test. Like, yeah. So it's good to know you actually were going off of the text of the review. Did you ever look at the number of stars? Were you ever like, this is a 4.91 and this is a 4.88? Like, bye, 4.88. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, we, honestly, so we, we, we did pay attention to it when the reviews were only a handful, right? So like if you've got five reviews and you had a 4.7, right? That was, that was interesting. It's like, okay, you only, you've only had a few people and your average is a 4.7. Whereas like if you had 350 reviews and you had a 4.77 or something like that, right? Like that, that was, that was less of a concern or or an indicator for us. Um, And I, I guess what I'll also say is because we were trying to score like deals when we were on the road, we, one of the things we would almost always do is we'd go to like, like the 15th page of search results. So we'd go to like the last page of search results and we'd start our search there. Because <laughs> oftentimes it's like there was a new listing, right? Like, the, like Natalie, let's say you just put a brand new listing on. You have like zero reviews, yeah. right? And you're trying to get you're trying to get those reviews. It's, it's really important for your, your ranking. And so we'd message those hosts first and be like, oh my gosh, beautiful new property. Now, I will say one of the things that really, really helped us score deals is that by this point, we had stayed in so many different places that people could check our reviews and like we took incredibly like great care of the places that we stayed like so many of the hosts remarked that we left the places better than like we had found them like we became friends with a lot of the hosts it was it was a beautiful experience but I, i so i think some of these hosts with these newer listings they they wanted good guests to come and give them great reviews and so i think we got we we certainly got lucky a couple of times but we we often would start our search on like the 15th page of results and then and work our way back and so oftentimes those had either fewer listings or they might have had not as not as high ratings, but it's kind of what we were looking for uh, in order in order to score a deal. Now that we're talking about reviews, can I ask how would you review the listings that you stayed at? What was worth a five star to you? Did you ever give less than five stars? Please tell me you were one of the people who like left private feedback and was it like snarky in the public reviews? <laughs> um, give us like the lowdown on how you were as a reviewer. So we we took great pride in in our reviews and. Again, and I think it's the like, you know, marketer in, in me and my wife's a, a really good writer. And so we, we, we tried to do our best at like leaving like really remarkable reviews. Cause again, we were super, super fortunate enough to end up staying in like just un- like remarkable places. Um, and I, I, I really do think we have two places that we left in the middle of the stay, but outside of that, we can get into those stories if you yeah. want, but outside of those <laughs> <Okay>. two places, <laughs> every, everything else like every other place that we stayed was was amazing. Like it was, okay. I, I don't think we gave a single four star review except for the the two places that we um that we ended up having to leave. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I'd say anytime that there was an issue, we'd always address it with the host first, okay. right? We'd always say, hey, like this thing isn't working, and or hey, like you know, quick question. Um, you mentioned this like amenity and 
it's actually kind of important to us because I was trying to make this particular like dish and I don't see like a knife. Like, is there a knife somewhere that I'm like missing or whatever it was? And we, I mean, we had people that would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like Amazon, you know, can I order you on something via Amazon right now? It will be there in three hours. I mean, we, they were incredibly, incredibly responsive. That said, there were, there were a few times where hosts got defensive. And I, I just like, I don't see the point in getting defensive when okay. like the, the message that we were sending was not, I wasn't attacking anybody. I was just saying, hey, Natalie, thank you so much. Your place is beautiful. Hey, by the way, I noticed that you left like two trash bags for me. Like I, I'm making this like big meal. I kind of need like a third. Like is there, are there trash and you know, trash bags hiding elsewhere? And I, we would have hosts say to us like, uh, yeah, sorry, we only include two. And like, that was it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like a 10 and, cent trash again, bag. Like that's what they're going to make a fuss over. And I was like, look, like there are so many other ways to kind of like go around this. And and even if that was true, even if you only could provide two for whatever reason, and that's like what you needed to break even on your place or make a little bit of a profit, like whatever, at least be nice about it and say, oh my gosh, hey, you know, I'm so sorry. We actually don't have any more at the property. I'd be happy to like have somebody drop a couple off for you. And or there's a safe way, like 0.25 miles away from you. You know, I'd be happy to like reimburse you for the trash bags or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, but but outside of those those few experiences, we just had remarkable uh, encounters with with our house and have nothing but like great things to say about them. That goes to show how well you did your research and planning. Like I think that you really, like you said, you you learned how to filter very well. Like if you're not even willing to invest in professional photography, or do you care about the listing? And you know, you did such a good job, like reviewing, like looking those, trying to find those keywords in in the reviews and stuff. So I think that's a good testament to how well you've learned to filter properties that you're not really running into issues once you're there. Can you tell us about the two that you left early? What happened? (laughs) Yeah. So one of them was actually, I'll I'll talk about the location generally, but um, not, not the individual house listing because I don't want to, I don't want to cause too much hardship for them. But so we were in Portland, Oregon for, for one of them. And we had booked this place. It had like a beautiful, like, you know, view of the river. And we got there and first of all, it's just, it just smelled like really bad. And, you know, it smelled like somebody had been like, you know, smoking weed and, you know, Portland is, Portland's a funky town, right? And it's like, okay, cool. Like you do you you do you, but like when you're staying at a place like it was too uh, that you booked, and if you don't love the smell of weed yourself, like it, it's 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 quite noticeable, right? So, um, and it was one of the, it's one of those places where like you could tell they tried to cover it up with like you know, air fresheners. So you had like this combination of this like lemon citrus, like lavender, like scent with weed. And it was just like this disgusting smell, quite frankly. Um, so we, we asked the host like, Hey, like I, like, is there anything we can do about the smell? And they were like, Oh, so sorry, not really. And we we're like, all right, whatever. We'll, we'll make do. Right. We were only there for like two or three days. And then we get into like the bedroom and we like, I, I had dropped, I think I dropped my watch. And so I like went to pick up my watch from the side of the bed. And then I realized there was like just tons of popcorn, like literally like popped popcorn underneath the bed and just like sprawled out everywhere. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like that seems like a pretty like obvious thing that you'd want to clean up. Like if any, literally if any, it wasn't like swept under the bed, like it was just out on the floor. It was out. It was, yeah, you could see, you walked into the room and and you could see it. The only reason I didn't initially see it was because the lights were off and like, it was, we had gotten there really late. And so we, I didn't even turn on, like I was using my flashlight and anyways, it, it, I found it in the morning, right? And it was it was everywhere. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then the host tried to tell me, they're like, well, why didn't you tell me about this last night when you checked in? I was like, honestly, I didn't even turn on the light. We got there really late. I used my cell phone. He was trying to like 
suggest that we had spilled the popcorn. I was like, why? Why would I? Why of would I spill popcorn? All the things to complain about. DMU too. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so honestly, and there, there, then there were a couple other things where like, there was just like, there was I, I, not like, you know what? Oh yeah. This was the other thing. We, we got into, went into the bathroom and there was like half a roll of toilet paper. And again, we were only there for a couple of days, but it was just like, when you're in a space, right. That feels like a host is really trying to skimp. It just, mm-hmm. every, you start looking everywhere. You start like looking under the bed and then you start looking at the pillows and then you start looking at the couch and then you start questioning everything. And then you take the dish right out of the cabinet and you're like, is this clean? And you end up cleaning everything because if a host is skimping like this in yeah. just really, really obvious ways, they're probably cutting corners elsewhere too. That That's the narrative that that's the story that I tell myself as, yeah. as Brene Brown would say, right? Is like that, that must be true. And oftentimes, unfortunately, it is true, right? You, the dishes are dirty too. Like th- things smell. It, and it's just, it's like, don't skimp on those things. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you have to save money, and uh, this is a business, you've got to save money. You can't spend, you know, thousands of dollars on everything. No one's expecting you to, right? But at a minimum, you've got to deliver an exceptionally clean experience. And it doesn't matter how beautiful your home is. Everybody's home can be really, really, really clean, right? And there are just basic things that I think, Folks still have a hard time doing for whatever reason. Um, don't don't worry about spending you know twenty thousand dollars on like a, a new deck before you remember to you know leave a fresh kind of roll of toilet paper in your bathroom. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish we didn't even have to be talking about this, but unfortunately, that's still the truth. So, long story is, we ended up leaving that place because it was just it was really really dirty, um, and it, it, it wasn't you- what. It, the photos. Did you try to get reimbursed for the remaining nights that you left early or was it just kind of like, I'm taking off? Did you leave a review? Like what happened in the fallout? So, so what I said, is I, I, of course, you know, DM'd the host privately and I was like, Hey man, like I, you know, I really appreciate a, he, he, he had made an effort. Like he, he was like, Hey, like, let me try to figure out how to get the smell, you know, away. And he was like, do you want me to buy you some candles or like he, he was trying. And so I, I was being really respectful. I was like, look, like, I, I I don't think there must be some issue with your cleaners is ultimately like what what it came down to right and so I said look here's what I'd like I'm hoping you can reimburse me for you know one night it was a four night stay we left after the second night I was like you can keep one night but will you will you at least reimburse me for like the, you know this one night um, it was also over a weekend and so I felt I did feel a little bit bad and he graciously ended up reimbursing us for for that night and then he ended up uh, sending me just another hundred dollar like Amazon gift card as like a thank he was very very considerate okay. so so that that's what happened there and then the other was this place in Vermont, and this story will be a, a lot, a lot uh, shorter. Long, long story short, we get to the place. It's this cabin that was also like very, it was pretty expensive. And we open the door and like immediately like we hear like a mouse like run across uh, the the uh, kitchen like countertop, right? Ugh. We're downstairs, the kitchen's upstairs. Right? Not and even on the of floor, course, like, your first it was impression, on the counter. You're like, what? So this was a property that was managed by a property management company, okay? And anytime we stayed at a place that was, which was very few, that was managed by a property management company, and these are like, you know, mm. some of the big names that many of the people mm. that listen to your show know. We won't name they, them, they but... were the worst. <laughs> they, were, they were the absolute wow. worst. Like, okay. horrible, horrible experiences. <laughs> Anyways, like 24-hour delays in response time, which again, when you're only somewhere for like a few days, that's an eternity. Like 24-hour response time is like, four days like when you're only staying somebody I mean, somewhere even for like if you're there days. for 30 days taking 24 hours to get a response in a place that you're living in is a huge deal huge deal yeah exactly exactly um so anyways we 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 were like hey uh we think that there's a mouse and the first response was like well you're in the forest and like that was it it was like well you're in the forest period i was like 
Okay. It's like, yeah, fuck you too. I was like, all right, this is going to be difficult. So, so then what we decided to do is like, all right, we're like, look, like we're, we're not going to be like, you know, we're not crazy. Like we, we'll try to figure this out. So then we go and um, I'm prepping dinner and I open, I open the cupboard and I take the a plate out and there's like mouse droppings no, on the plate. No. I'm like, you know what? All right. No, this is just, no. this is, this has gone too far. Um, so I, you know, I started documenting everything. So I took a video just for Airbnb in case like we needed to like, you know, file a complaint or whatever. Um, long story short, they ended up letting us out early. They reimbursed, they didn't reimburse us for that night, which I, I had asked like, Hey, could you literally like, we, we want to leave now. And I wasn't able to get reimbursed for that one night, but they did, you know, reimburse us for, we were supposed to be there for a week actually. So, so yeah, anyways, that, that was the story, but outside of those two stories, which again, and I also feel bad, right? Like to, to an extent you are in nature and things happen. Right. And I guess the bigger point I'd leave your audience with, with respect to this story is like, you can't control whether or not a mouse is going to find its way into into your house, especially if you're in like the woods. Like it's not about that, right? What it is about is how you address the situation, right? And and how you you, you should go over it, but you should find a way to do whatever you can to make me still feel like comfortable in your home. Your response should never be, "Well, you're in the woods." Um, you know. Enough, enough said on that point. <laughs> what what kind of response or what kind of like remediation would have made you feel good in that case? Like if they had sent like a pest control, would you still feel like, I don't know, because yeah. I feel like a lot of guests would be like, well, now you've dropped like pesticides all over. Like I'm still not comfortable. Like I'm I'm kind of curious, like what would have made you feel better yeah. in that situation? I, I In that situation, to be a thousand percent candid, I don't, I actually don't think that there's a resolution other than like, you know, reimbursing leave and, and like having me leave your home, yeah. like right then. And there. like, that's honestly probably the best thing that you could do. Cause that way you don't have to deal with my review of like, you know, if I, if I were to leave a review and not again, not that I would have left a bad review, but what I did do for this, for this property, because they, they didn't reimburse me for that one night. Um, and so I did actually still have the ability to leave a review and I did leave a review and I, and there were, there were more communications that I won't go into now, but basically this, the, the property management company was just so unbelievably like disrespectful that it, it really felt like somehow this was my fault. That that's really what it felt like. It felt like the reality that there was a mouse in their place and that their place wasn't very clean was somehow my fault. So I didn't, I left a very honest review. I was, I was careful with the details. Cause again, I don't believe in like, you know, scarring people, but at the same time, Hey, I want, other people who might spend, and this was, this it was also was not a cheap place. That was the other thing. It was like, this was an expensive place to stay, right? We were, we were, this was one of our like splurges, right? Mm-hmm. And for it to have gone so poorly and just to be treated, uh, treated so difficultly was difficultly. I did, I did feel some sense of obligation to leave a review. So it was still, it was a very respectful review, but it was, but it was an honest review. It's today, just an FYI, you know, for people that are staying here, the house is in the woods. We did encounter a mouse while we were here. We worked with the property management company to get out of our stay. They were able to, you know, release us from six days of our booking. I didn't say how long our booking was. Yeah. So I was careful with how I said it, but I, I did. I left an honest review. And I, I felt like in that context, without a full refund, that was the most appropriate thing to do. My, like, takeaway from these two stories. So you only had two bad experiences that caused you to leave early. And the the first one you told you were raving about how despite everything the host was still so gracious and trying to work with yep. you and just comparing that like to this experience like at the end of the day things will go wrong but it really yeah. comes down to how you handle it from your perspective it seems like you 
at the end of the day, the popcorn story, you almost told that like it was like a funny story. And like it was yeah. more just like, okay, <laughs> forget it. It's not a good fit. Peace out. Thanks for being nice. And in this one, it's like, no, I left an honest review. <laughs> I was very, like, it's just yeah. so different how you tell the stories just based on how the hosts handle it. So that's a very good yeah. takeaway for people to have. I would love now, before we wrap up, for you to share yeah. a little bit about Spontaneous, what that is, how it was born, and then tell us about your podcast too, because it's a really cool concept for a show, and I love that it's growing so fast. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, maybe not surprising to folks at this point in the conversation, but because we were finding all these really cool last-minute Airbnb deals, um, we started sending them to friends and family. And before we knew it, people were like, hey, like, how do, can you send me these deals too? And because we were finding, you know, some some crazy places where, and this is before we even knew what, you know, uh, dynamic pricing was and, and all that stuff. So we were looking at a place from Tuesday to Thursday that was normally, you know, 600, 700 bucks a night. We were able to get it for 300 bucks a night. Like that, that was, that was crazy to us, right? Yeah. Um, and so, what we started doing, we threw up a quick little landing page um, and I just, I wrote a, a headline. I was like, you know, sign up here to get the best last minute Airbnb deals. And then we actually had a couple people from um, uh, like media and, and tech sort of find that landing page and they shared it on Twitter. And like basically overnight, we had several hundred people that had like signed up before we had ever like dropped the actual newsletter, which was, which was like really cool. So, um, so yeah, that, that was how spontaneous was born. And what we, what we've done, we've gotten a little bit more mature. Now we've got like a, essentially a scrape that enables us to really, uh, custom query for specific types of homes. So we can say things like, Hey, show me, uh, every A-frame in Colorado that has a discount for 20% or more for three plus days in the month of May or something like that. Right. And then we can get a list of all of those listings. And then what we do from that list is we do, we, we start our curation. So we find the best ones and we say, and the best just being totally subjective to the things that we think are nice. Right. Um, And then we throw that out and, and feature that in, in a newsletter. So we've got 11 newsletters now for different regions around the country, uh, a few international regions as well. And we send week-long deals every Monday. And the deals go out in about 30 days. So every every newsletter is featuring uh, featuring deals, fe- featuring last-minute stays within a 30-day window. So every Monday, you get week-long seven-night stays. And then every Wednesday, you get weekend-long three-night stays. And it's totally free. So cool. sign up if you're if you're interested in this. I love, um, and that's- yeah, I love the newsletter. I'm on your newsletter. And um, even when I'm not traveling, I just almost like for inspiration's sake, just like love seeing other listeners things that are popping up and what people are doing. So I highly encourage everyone, we'll drop a link to sign up for the spontaneous newsletter, but I highly encourage everyone to go and just jump on and it's free. Um, Zach, is it possible to like apply yeah. to be featured on this or is it all just scraped right now and it's just whatever deals are popping up based on your your search queries? Yeah, so we're, I'm glad you asked. We're actually in a, a beta right now. And if any of your listeners are, are interested, um, I'd certainly love to have a conversation of, we've launched a host partner program. So what this means, how it works, it's, it's a very small annual fee. And anytime your listing uh, happens to be free during our curation windows, it'll automatically be included. So we have this simple little uh, um, uh, SaaS tool that we built where let's say your listing is free for the you know final two weekends of May or something like that, right? Uh, you don't even have to do any work. It'll automatically just be included in in our newsletter um, if it if it meets our our criteria. So would love to talk to folks again. It's it's it. You can find this on our website. We haven't pushed it a lot yet because we're working with about twenty folks right now who've been part of our, like our private kind of like beta group to make to try to get this right. Cool. But 
if you're interested and you, you want to be featured, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And then, yeah, Behind the Stays is a podcast. It's, you know, not not as cool as No Vacancy. Um, but Behind the Stays focuses on is is really sort of a, the, the stories behind some of like the, the more unique stays in the market, right? So folks that have built like really cool A-frames or people that have like built pretty cool, you know, niche hospitality brands. It's less practical, helpful tips to be to be honest. And it's a little bit more just like, hey, here's the story behind this individual and how they think and why they created the space that they created. So if you're if you're interested in more story-driven content, yeah. again, it's not going to be as helpful as Natalie's show. But if you're interested in, in the story component, I would uh, highly recommend that you, that you check it out. Don't say that. It's very helpful in its own way. I think a lot of people like the relatability piece and just hearing a story that they can relate to, that, that is helpful in its own right. And always, I listen to your show, always these hosts are always dropping like little nuggets of how they got started or how they financed a deal or something and something they've learned. So um, if you want to hear real stories from real hosts that are doing like, you get a lot of like the IG famous properties. So it's really fun to yeah. hear the behind the stays, like what's going on behind the scenes. So I love it. Zach, there's actually one more question. We have a couple minutes left and I should have asked you this, but yeah. I asked you what some of your worst experiences were. And when you left, can you tell us like maybe the best stay that you had or like a really memorable one in those 15 months and what made that stay so unique and memorable to you? Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone who's heard my podcast before knows exactly what I'm about to say, because I talk about this particular stay all the time. Um, and this stay is called the Sparrow's Nest, and it's in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine. And the host, Susie, is just a class act host. I mean, she she was a flight attendant during her career. Um, she retired. Her and her husband literally bought a five or six acre plot of land from the trees on that land. They built this beautiful cottage, like themselves. Like he's a builder. She's not classically trained designers, which she would say, but her her taste is absolutely impeccable. You feel like you're staying at like a Ritz Carlton, but it's a very simple, like French style cottage. But the way that Susie has hosted uh, the, the you know people that come and stay at the Sparrow's Nest is, is is unbelievable. Like literally every host should be trained by Susie. Is my is my opinion. Susie is like she's not on social media. She doesn't really like use the like she she's just like she's not in this world at all. She doesn't listen to podcasts. Like she's just like the perfect most pure example of an incredible hostess. Um, and we've gone back there. We're about to go back for our fourth time. And we've become really good friends with them. Her husband, Neil, is, is again, he's a builder in, in the area. But if anyone is ever looking for, like, the most quintessential escape in New England, um, I would love to introduce you to Susie. And I'd love for you to snag a place at the Sparrow's Nest because it's it's nothing short, short of magical. Can you introduce me to her? My next mission now yes. is to get her to be a guest and let's have her train all of us on how to be a perfect host. Love that. Yes, I will I will gladly make that introduction and we'll see if she accepts, but she's just an incredibly special person. And Aww. maybe we could, what we could do, Natalie, if you're open to it too, is maybe we could drop her listing um, in the show notes so yeah. people can just at least check it out. Let's do it. Okay, let's wrap up with, can you share how people can contact you? It's just the Spontaneous website is just spontaneous.com. And that's where people can yep. connect to get on the newsletter and maybe participate in the beta with the with getting their listings on your newsletter list. 
Yep. Okay. And what I can also do is I can drop my Instagram, my email. Okay. If folks want to reach out to me directly. Oh, and if it, spontaneous is too hard to spell, if you just Google, we actually rank number one if you Google last minute Airbnb deals. So mm-hmm. just Google last minute Airbnb deals and we'll we'll be that, you know, top result there. So cool. Um yeah, go check it out and let me know if you have any questions. We'll link that. We'll link your podcast behind the stays and we will link Susie's listing as well. Um, Zach, thank you so much. This was a really fun episode. I love getting the perspective of a non-host and just somebody who's been a guess so much at what you're looking for, what you don't like, what you do like. I think this is a really refreshing take. And just for those of us that are like in our heads so much and so entrenched in this world, it's cool to hear what actually matters on the guest side. So thank you so much, Zach. I love this episode. I'll drop how to connect with you below. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Natalie. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole? I saw a host post this on a Facebook group. Confession, on my very first booking, before I knew the rules, my guest, who was there for five nights, messaged me after the first night to tell me he didn't like the mattress. Too firm, he said. I got all bent out of shape about it. It was my first guest, and when he left for the day, I swapped the mattresses. He never knew. This host then posted ring camera footage of them coming by and quickly swapping out the mattresses. And one of the comments said, did he all of a sudden like the mattress or did he not notice? Why not just ask him if you can bring in another? Ha ha. And this host said, I was just absolutely mental about it. I was so afraid to ask. I just did it. He did message the next day apologizing, saying the bed was fine and that it was probably just him. I accepted his apology. You guys, this makes me laugh so hard. I just think it's so funny to look back on how timid hosts are with their first few reservations because today I would totally tell that host, message the guest. If you're willing to do that and change out the mattress because your guest isn't happy, why not message them and like go above and beyond with your great customer service and say, I'm so sorry you don't like it. I'm going to bring in a new mattress. But the fact that it was their first guest ever and they just got so nervous that they decided to sneak in while the guests were gone, which you should not do. And they said they acknowledged that this was before they knew the rules and that you're not supposed to go in when your guest belongings are there. But I just think it's so funny how instead of telling the guest and like reaping the benefits of your above and beyond customer satisfaction, they decided to just sneak in a new mattress. And then the guest later being like, I apologize. It was probably just me. And I graciously accepted his apology. This made me laugh so much. I just think it's so cute. And this host just admitting I was completely bent out of shape about it. It was the first guest. It was so hard for me to take any criticism to the point where they switched the mattress behind their back. It's just adorable. I feel like we've all done something like that in our early days of hosting. So this was just such a cute story to me. Moving forward, I'm not going to call this host the Airbnb hole. I think that they were really sweet trying to go above and beyond. In the future, I would say you do not need to switch mattresses for guests. Sorry if that's tough, but mattresses are just one of those things that don't please everybody. And, you know, this guest complained it was too firm. So now what? Your next guest might say it's too soft. Are you going to be switching the mattress between every guest? Sometimes you just book a hotel and you don't love the mattress and you just need to deal with it. So maybe that's harsh. My personal opinion, I would not switch the mattress for a guest. If, though, this host or any host out there listening is the type that would do that, my advice, tell the guest. 
like make that a point of showing how good of a host you are that you are going above and beyond and you would even be willing to switch the mattress. There's no reason to hide that. There's no reason to sneak behind the guest back and do it. I think it would be really awkward if the guest walked in on the host doing that. So you're better off just owning it, making this a point of how much you care about the guest that you're willing to fix the situation. It was this host's first reservation. We've all been there. We've all been super timid over our first constructive criticism. So I don't fault the host for doing this. I will not call them the Airbnb hole. I think this story is adorable. And I just love that they randomly were like, so confession, this is what I did. And then attaching the ring camera footage of them sneaking in and switching out the mattress was so cute. So no Airbnb holes here today. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye!